interesting and funny, incredibly sensitive and deserving. Mm-hmm. And when I put those words, <laughs> that description together, do you know what I, what I get? I saw it when I said it. What? The things that I was running away from my dad are also true about me. The things I'm running toward about my dad are also true about me. Fuck yes. Yes. And Beautiful. I can see the founder's source in that, not the syndrome. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. Jimmy, James, Jamie McNeil is back for the third of our three-part series that has focused on who we want people to think we are and then who we don't want people to know we are and today, who the fuck we really are. This conversation has love, connection, hope, truth, and a whole lot of magic. Oh, and you might even hear a Sir Elton John lyric or two. Listen for love. This is the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. Jimmy, I'm so glad you are back. You're like, you're a regular. I feel like like this is the um, Merv... You probably don't even know the Merv Griffin show. Of course I know the Merv Griffin show. <laughs> okay, Are you cool. nuts? Yes. Okay, so. I, but I feel more like a roving reporter. Yeah, yes. Okay, so this is like, I was going to say Col- Stephen Colbert, but not even. In, a, la, a la Stephen Colbert. I had to okay. actually stop watching Stephen Colbert. Yeah. I had such a huge crush on him. It became problematic. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. He's very sweet. I just said that out loud. Yeah. Can we edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Some okay. things are sacred. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so Roving Reporter of your own life. Yeah, and then, you're back. Yeah. Thinking about the beats of this, thinking about because quite frankly, you know. These conversations that we've had, first of all, they weren't planned this way. We met to talk our very first episode to talk about my research. And that was a really great conversation. In fact, I am very close to now turning in my first chapter 
uh, to move closer to defense. And I think a lot of that came from the clarity from that conversation. Nice. Uh, in fact, my, <laughs> my dissertation chair said, whatever you said in an interview, write that. So thank you so much for that. Cool. So, you know, we started off talking about my research and then we met again. And, you know, that was the interesting part. Like, why am I meeting again? Why are we talking again? But if I look and see the connection between the first time we spoke and the second time we spoke, and particularly what you said, is that there was some opaqueness around why I stayed in the safe area of my dissertation. And really, there's something else. And there was something else. And I, I did kind of listen to one episode, you know, the second episode, that I was really in the middle of something. And I think that every good story needs a beginning, a middle, and end. It starts with research. Maybe it gets a little bit deeper to the underlying reason. And now I see the whole thing much clearer now, mm. uh, which is why I think it's a good thing, not just for you, not just for me, because I'm really doing this for me <laughs> to understand myself, but also to our fellow trauma hiders out there to understand like how this thing works. It's really interesting to notice in myself how it works and how it's working for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That sounds really compelling, number one. <laughs> and part of my goal in this podcast, one of my goals in this podcast is to create content that is relatable, content that's useful. I suppose those are probably the goals. What happens outside of those two things or each of those things is the choice of the listener. So as long as I stick to useful, relatable content. Mm -hmm. I have a story that the magic happens. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, when we, I feel like this is a radio show. When we last <laughs> met with- In our last episode. In our last episode with Jimmy, he was about, he, you were about to take a trip. Yeah. Yes. That feels- already so long ago, but yes. Right. And more than one trip has happened. No, not yet, but another trip oh, is scheduled. Okay. Oh, okay. Another, okay. another trip is scheduled. Okay. And something that I'm going to interrupt you because it's my show. So shut of the course. fuck up. <laughs> no, no. By, by, by all means. <laughs> I think it's important to note that the significance of the the trip is about you and your family and how you had stories just like we all do, right? We hear family lore. We also make up our own stories based on the content that we have. Oh, lore is such a great word. Yeah. And something called you to like, the word reconcile comes up and I don't know that that's the right word to reconcile the gap between the stories that you create and the family lore. And because you are you, because you are Jimmy McNeil, also known as <laughs> Jamie McNeil, also known as James McNeil, mm -hmm. curious, brilliant, questioning, questioning, 
fact finding, mm. nearly nearly a doctor, mm. you fucking go for it to find what is the truth? Where is the yeah. truth? Who is the truth? Yeah. Am I true? Ooh. If I had a mic, I would drop that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. As you were talking, the idea of lore is such a, an important word because I think that human beings, myself, all of us included, we, our lives are based on the stories that we are told, the stories that we tell, the stories that we make up. And it's like a blueprint or, or a, a tape that's running. It's running in the background. And mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, most of the time, it's not really a problem except for those times when there, there are inconsistencies in the story or there are breaks in the story or there are skips mm -hmm. kind of like a, a movie um, to keep in our movie theme like there was something that got spliced out of the film and then put you put the pieces back together and we keep moving and I think that yes I think the research was a crutch but I think it was a crutch because what, what do you need a crutch? You need a crutch because you are injured in some way and the crutch helps you get to wholeness. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about education and, and this doctoral program, and particularly now that I'm, a, I'm, I'm also a teacher, I'm, I'm also a professor and talking to students all the time and this resistance to really looking for the truth because you already think you know it. You have a hypothesis of, of who you are and, and you, you really, we, we edit out uh, what's happening based on trying to preserve that hypothesis. And somehow in the little gap in my life, I became interested in like, what will really, who am I? And what if all of the things, whatever the stories or the, the, the elements of my life that I've assumed as true what if they're not mm. and that began with attempting I also think reconcile is a great word because I think that even though it's only been since like early May I think that was it feels so long ago because so much has transpired so much has transpired in the fact that I've been able to fill the gaps in those splices and understand that some of the parts that have been spliced in were simply not true. Hmm. Okay. Before we dig into that, I'm just going to go really quickly. I'm not sure that everybody questions whether or not what they hear is true or what well, why they, would you? Right, right. It takes, I think, well, I'm going to speak from personal experience. It is my own hypervigilance that first says, uh, put up protection. Don't trust what you see to be what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that, that is definitely a trauma response. I will own mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. it, and, you know, it's not the same thing as spidey sense, whatever this intuition, maybe it, it's, it could be intuition on like X games mode. I don't know, but <laughs> What does that mean? It means like, you know, the X, do you know what the X games are? No. Okay. So the X games are. Like the physical game? It's like BMX bike riding. Oh, okay. Like the extreme. Yeah. Extreme. extreme. That's what the X is okay. for. Extreme sports. That's it. 
So I believe hypervigilance is its own thing, but it might be intuition on X Games mode. Not sure. Yeah, that's just, we could make a show about that, couldn't we? Uh, you are slaying me right now, sister. <laughs> Between lore, reconcile, hypervigilance, and trauma response. <laughs> those are those are all yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, I believe that. I've, by the way, I've been like in this zone of maybe it's the, maybe it's the nearly summer. Maybe it's the way the planets are aligned. There is something in me. I know the show is not today about me, although I could make it about me. It's always, it's always about us in some way, right? There is something in me right now that more than ever is saying like zero tolerance for bullshit. Just cut to the thing. Call the (laughs) thing what the thing is. It might even fucking hurt. And not Mm -hmm. in hurtful ways am I doing this, but Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. not a lot of like space. It might be that I just came back from being with my parents, which is like, well, that'll do it. (laughs) All love and all resisting. Oh, that'll do it. Somehow changing the course of their lives. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's like when you're the thing about being an adult now, that really you are an adult now being with your parents, and you can see with your eyes that your parents are not in charge anymore, mm-hmm. that they are their time and their experience is shrinking. Yes. But yet you still see them with the same eyes as a six-year-old. Yeah. And can be that I talked about before, like that swirling thing of Fantasia, that can be swirling, disorienting until you decide or until something happens to stop that swirl. And last time we talked about that being, um, you know, waiting till, till your parents leave the earth and then deciding perhaps not to, not to wait until that happens. So if I were to talk about lore, so I, I, to pick up the story, I go back, I, I go visit my aunts as a way to really connect with my dad, which is really trying to understand the lore of him. What's incredible to me is that while I haven't consciously had thoughts about my dad, like I've stuffed them way down and away, with just the slightest prodding and provocation, they come springing all back up, mm. almost as if I heard the whole thing yesterday. But if you had asked me the last time I had that thought, I was 18, maybe, who knows, but like really, really early in my life. So the, this idea of lore and the power that your parents have over deciding where your life where the focus of your life is if it works great if it doesn't maybe not and so just getting to connect with my aunts and that was my first interim step not my dad just my aunts because that was a little that was a little bit safer and I and Mm -hmm. I could get some perspective um, from people who are a little bit removed and looking back I see that that was such a smart decision Mm -hmm. It was really a smart decision, although it wasn't a, like that wasn't a conscious decision. But I, I'm also going to talk about something that you said about trauma response. I've, I've been thinking about that a lot in hypervigilance. And maybe this is true for you. 
a lot of what makes me an effective coach and counselor and, and therapist and psychologist is my ability to recognize a shift. And sometimes it's a minuscule shift in a client, maybe if we're doing one-on-one. And I, I just did my first live session with clients uh, this week. It was so interesting to be in a room full of people again and to see that, that, that thing come back where I'm aware of what's happening in the room. But I'm, I'm now a lot more cognizant that that awareness of what's happening in the room across, across the room with another person was born out of hypervigilance. Mm. born out of not understanding particularly my mother like she's very mercurial not understanding where she's got where she's coming from so being able to watch and notice a flinch of her eye and know what that means and know that I've got to somehow perform to get out of the situation or to Mm. to direct the situation so deciding that this was a worthwhile journey to go on. And then now, now I'm deciding that my dad is safe because around 12 or 11 or so, I decided that he wasn't safe. And really, I think what, what informed that decision was the lore that the other people, the, the story that they were telling me about him. Now, let's stop saying like there wasn't, there wasn't stuff for him, truly, that might've been problematic. But since coming back, it's opened up. I've had the most amazing conversations with my dad, like the most amazing conversations with my dad. And to say, to be, be 55 years old and say that I, he's been not in my life since the time I was 12. And now to have incredible life-sustaining, life-affirming conversations about my dad, who was a sensitive respectful man and the idea that I've had for so long that some of the magic or most of the magic that 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 has covered my life has come from my maternal grandmother that was the idea but I am learning that a lot of that magic came right from my dad wow right from my dad how cool Uh, can I I'm gonna interrupt you sure so tell me in let's say three words who you believed your dad to be (laughs) okay I believe my dad to be unreliable Mm. um, dangerous Mm -hmm. and a failure Mm. oh fuck fuck yeah because those are all (laughs) those are all the things I run from Mm, look at that. All the things that you run from. Those are all the things I run from. Like a, a good deal of my accomplishments are fueled from not wanting to be those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, Jimmy, I'm going to give you when you're ready. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think so. A little more runway with five words. Tell me who your dad is. Oh, my God. <laughs> my old man is funny, hmm. interesting, and incredibly sensitive. Hmm. And I didn't know that. Give me one more. Um, deserving. Mm. Deserving. 
deserving of my attention, mm. deserving to, I'm his firstborn son, I'm his mm. first child. And for 50, 40 something years, he's been walking around the planet, not, well, <laughs> what I found out is that he's been walking around the planet tracking me. Mm. Yeah. So that thing that I was talking about, you know, we all think that we are, we came from another family and Daddy Warbucks is going to, Daddy Warbucks is going to come and give us the other half of the locket. That was so tongue in cheek, but it is so true. Mm. So we, I've had conversations with him and they started off really, you know, with me holding on to that old paradigm about him and slowly stripping it down slowly stripping it down and going in and every time every time I reach out he answers every time and so now I have to get rid of the idea that he's unreliable Mm -hmm. like he's waiting for that call like I sort of I'm really busy you know I can call you when I can call you and 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 he's just okay just, I know you're busy. Call me when you can. Yeah. So you say to him, I'm really busy. That, that was how, like, when I started, started talking, like, I, I put up, like, all of the walls, oh, like, you know, you know yes. we, I'm, I'm, well, I'm really busy. And I am. I mean, we all are. Yeah. And as I've described this to some friends, they're like, I can't believe you've, you've done this. And is there any other, is, you know, he's being all of these wonderful things. What's the motive? Not one damn thing, not one damn thing, not one damn thing has my dad asked for. What's the motive? That's a fascinating question. Yeah, and, and not so fascinating. Not fascinating not so, in a way that I'm fascinating, right. in a way that like, I will cut a bitch. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of the family dynamics that I, I've had over the, over the years has been how can one person sort of take advantage of another person somehow? Right. Also, people speak to their own damage. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That is a statement of, I don't trust myself. Therefore, I don't think you should trust yours to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And through our conversation, so I, I threw up all these barriers. Yeah. And what they were really were boundaries. I'm going to add another layer to what they are. Boundaries can be protections. Mm-hmm. When you said that you did this thing about I'm really mm-hmm. busy and I'm an important man. Yeah. What I saw immediately was, oh yeah, that's a fabulous way to protect yourself from disappointment. Totally. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And see myself let those guards down. Yeah. To the point where we kind of have a standing call day. And it's, and it's when... I've processed everything for the week and I'm available. And so let's talk about lore. And I think this is the big, 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 big aha. Kind of like the last time I pinged you. Like, I, I think I'm ready. I think I know. So one of the things I've missed about my grandmother who's gone for the last couple of years, she died in 20, 2018, is every, every birthday, my birthday is December 31st, she would call me and tell me the story of my birth. You know, when you're born on December 31st, you know, there's some crazy crap around how you were born. And to hear my dad tell me the story of my birth, 
it's so cool. Mm. So because cool. in my in my five year old six year old mind, he was not present. Yeah, and he in fact really was. And then to have him tell me stories about being with him when I was one or two or three, he'd come and get me. And because my parents, again, they lived a block apart. So he tells me all these stories of my dad's a musician and that's the failure part. And that's also the magical part because the musician in me came from my dad and my mother tried to stop it, everything she could, but it just wasn't gonna happen. So to have my dad here, okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. So my dad tells me all these stories of, so in the, this is the 60s, which I was a hotbed for R&B and music and, and all that. So anybody who was anybody came through there and anybody who was anybody he played with. Some of those folks made it, some of those folks didn't. And so here's some more lore. So, you know, when somebody tells you something and it just, again, it fits, again, we're talking about trauma response and hypervigilance and reconciling with the past. I, here's the part I can tell you really clearly because, because of copyright laws. The thing I can say really clearly is I, as a child, was in studios with people like Stevie Wonder, Chaka Khan, Nancy. Well, he rouses off a bunch of people. And he's, as he's telling me these stories, unremarkably, like he's downplaying it. And my mouth is just open as he's telling me these stories because many of those people I've actually met mm. as an adult, almost like a homing device Whoa. drawing me to these people. Whoa. So he's telling me about the story about Nancy Wilson. So here's the, I, I meet Nancy. I, my birthday is New Year's Eve. Nancy Wilson sings a song, What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? As a three-year-old, I would lie on the, on, you have these big pillows on the floor, you know, those big square pillows that were, were the rage, lie on the floor. We couldn't really listen to non-secular music. I can never remember which, the one that's not church music or spiritual music, but I was somehow allowed to listen to Nancy Wilson. What are you doing? I thought she was singing this song to me. Fast forward, I'm in my twenties. I'm, I'm living in New York. I go to Nancy to a show. I go every night. I get to meet her. We become friends. One day, her last day of her show, her, her driver doesn't come. She asks me to drive, to walk her to her apartment in, in the village. I am now walking Nancy Wilson, who I was three years old, singing, what are you doing New Year's Eve? And so I'm telling her about my dad. And like, well, who are you? And I'm a, I'm a musician, but I didn't really, I didn't really become one. So she invites me to come out to be her guest for a show in Vegas, a Mother's Day show. I invite my mom, I invite my grandmother, uh, which is a big deal because, again, they don't listen to this kind of music, but they agree to come. I'm telling my dad, I'm getting confirmation that I met Nancy Wilson as a child, and then I became her friend. Crazy. And to the, to the, to the degree that I, I attended her memorial service when she died. Oh my gosh. And that's just one example that there's like three or four other examples. So I'm again, this idea, I, what's happening is he's talking. I am feeling myself again, that thing that I said about being half of me is underdeveloped. I, I can feel like all of my energy come back to me. Mm. And here's the, cl the, the clincher, I think. For a very long time, I have this un 
settling feeling in the month of March and the month of May. Mm. And I didn't know what it was for a very long time. I just, I would, I would always just, I would write May when it was March, March when it was May. I would just be out of sorts. And it happened so frequently that it couldn't be a mistake. So I have a couple superpowers. They're not great. One superpower that I have is the moment that I love, I'm watching television, if I really, really go, this is amazing. The moment I go, oh, this is great. And I'm sucked in, the television goes out. (laughs) Moment. It doesn't matter where Mm. I am. And it happens so frequently Mm. that it's not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. It's some... Energetic force. Yeah. Right. So I've studied in the last couple of years, telling my friends, if some, if you're playing something in March or May, I'm like, you're going to have to tell me a couple of times because I'm going to probably forget it somehow. Well, I'm in Idaho with my goddaughter and with our goddaughter and uh, a cousin who I'm getting reconnected with, uh, who is really a, the biggest part of my heart that it feels like has been returned to me, goes, hey, have you talked to your dad? No. It's his birthday today. And I go, oh my God, that's it. My dad's birthday is May 27th and I have forgotten it. I've been walking around feeling like, wait, I forgot something. Mm. She told me that when we're sitting in a place, you know, one of those places where you go to paint pottery, ceramics. Mm-hmm. She tells me that when I'm there and I'm standing in front of a cup, a mug that says dad. Oh, shit. Uh, oh, my God. I know, well. <laughs> there you go. I pick up the mug and I spend the next hour painting this mug, Aww. thinking about my dad mm. and thinking that this is the first, like a kindergartner, mm-hmm. you know, when you make something for your parents. Yeah. Like I'm now having the experience that I didn't have at five mm. painting. And so... It's not a perfect, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a great painter, but I think it's the most beautiful thing I've ever created. Oh. I can't wait to give it to him. Mm. So I'm going to visit him in the month of August. Uh, we've planned it. And again, one of those magical things where a friend invited me to an Elton John concert. I don't like Elton John. I don't wanna to go to an Elton John concert, but it's a dear friend colleagues and I'm like okay we're going to go to celebrate and it suddenly dawns on me that where this concert is is where my dad lives Get and out. I made this plan months ago <laughs> oh so now me and my old man are gonna hang out wow wow the bitch this is back is, yeah the bitch is back circle of life <laughs> we can keep going Without yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Circle Life. We all live elaborate lives yeah. uh, from the play Aida. All that stuff. Okay. Well, one, this is incredible, magical stuff happening here. You have created this openness in your own world to welcome all this love and connection. Right. When we first talked to you and I said, huh, there is something in Jimmy that is opaque and disconnected. <laughs> and right? I'm talking about that I, I feel underdeveloped. Yeah. And you feel underdeveloped and let's like really stick with 
founder syndrome and look, dude, when you crack open, man, you create shit. It is, it's a kind of founder syndrome. Yeah. What I'm talking about. Yeah. The foundation of who I am and all the things that, that go wonky. Yep. All the things that go wonky, right? It's what happens as humans relating to other humans. Things, shit gets wonky. What would you, so we've got now it's June. Well, the show might come out in July. So um, Mm. it will come out in July. Perfect timing. Yeah. So how do you keep where you are currently? And I I, I feel like I'm pushing the agenda. I'll I'll just say the thing that's coming to me because that's where I am right now. So I would imagine I want to create the end of the story, Mm. right? I want to create the end of the story. And yet the call is to not create the end of the story so that you can be in the story, right? You can't, Mm -hmm. you can't be over there. Got to stay over here. My friend says, she says, yep, stay in your day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or as I often say to my clients and some of my relatives, specifically (laughs) a specific sibling, be where you are. Yeah. Yeah. What does it take for you to be where you are? You know, I have always, I think that I talked about another superpower turning off televisions. That could be a very useful superpower if you really think about it. Yeah. Um, I do, I think that another superpower that I have, I have had in my life, and that could also be a trauma response. It may be a function of the trauma response which led to my work or my work, which feeds the trauma response. I don't know, but you may see it the same way. Working with people, being with clients, being with, whether it's a team or an organization, whether like when I went to go work last this week with, with, when I'm there with you for eight hours, 10 hours or however long it is nothing else is going on. I am completely present. I am often at the end of a session. uh, I often don't remember what I said. Yep. Cause I completely, like I remember the first couple of minutes because that's when my ego is like, you're going to forget everything. You're going to look stupid. You're going to do all the stuff. And I've done all the stuff that you can do. And then, but once I get past that and I'm, I get connected to what I'm, what my purpose is, time is, is suspended. So I, I think that even in the, in the pandemic uh, and in my life before the pandemic, the kind of work that I chose, and it could, again, still be a trauma response, is to be so engrossed in something productive. And if I talk about, if I think back to the question that you asked of who my dad is and who, you know, the three words that I thought described him, being that focused and like to, the ability to shut everything out. Mm-hmm is a kind of trauma response. Mm-hmm. Productive though it may be. Well, sure. Trauma responses can be very helpful. That's why, I mean, they're literally are there to keep you alive. Yeah. So uh, there's enough on my plate these days to keep me grounded every day and pretty focused. Mm-hmm. I kind of have this ability to be aware of, I feel like maybe again, this is true for you. I feel like there's so many awesome things and my life swirling around me that it's a little bit like like an air traffic yeah that I, t- I can only be focused on the plane that I'm landing to I'm landing today 
So I'm aware that there are awesome planes in June and July and August, but the plane that's here today on June 10th, my plane today was you. Yeah. Nice. The the plane today was like, I at, oh, also I got like for the first time, my department chair was like, I like this. Like, I have good planes that I feel full. I think the, I'm learning to have that presence be driven out of choice instead of being driven out of, you know, running away from something. Right. You're choosing from a place of peace Mm. and joy and surrender and love, Mm. right? Instead of protection, protecting your heart and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that in you. I want to go back to your five words for your dad, because Mm -hmm. I think there's something very significant here. So what you said was your father is interesting and funny, incredibly sensitive and deserving. Mm -hmm. And when I put those words, (laughs) that description together, do you know what I, what I get? I saw it when I said it. What? The things that I was running away from my dad are also true about me. The things I'm running toward about my dad are also true about me. Fuck yes. Yes. And I can see the founder's source in that, not the syndrome. The source of that I'm recognizing is my dad's eclectic, outlook on the world he wasn't a failure he was walking to the beat of something else he didn't pick up a guitar until he was 17 and then his world changed Mm. interesting funny incredibly sensitive deserving (laughs) equals Mm. legitimate (laughs) totally does Boom! <laughs> yep. Thank you so much. This has been this has been such an incredible gift. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So much of who you are is such a gift to the world. So thank you for sharing all the parts from part one. To part three, and we don't know what's in the future. <laughs> but there's so much, something that, as I've said, useful and relatable. And mm. thank you for being one of us. Oh, thank you. I love you with all my heart. Thank you. I love you as well. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.